Hello and welcome to Switchflix, the podcast where we usually love and hate movies at the same time. I'm your temporary host, Haisam, and I'm here with my freedom-fighting friend, Omar. Hello. How you doing, Omar? I've been better. I've been better, you know. Uh, usually, we like to review and talk about the, uh, you know, the two sides of the coin when it comes to movies. But uh, the, past, uh, the past week or so, it's, uh, I, you know, I've been fully focused on what's been going on. Yes. So let me just give people a context. Uh, people who have been listening to our podcast for a while may know that Omar is Palestinian-Canadian. And right now, there's something terrible happening uh, in his home country of Canada, where <laughs> Maple Leaf might be getting banned. It's the beavers. Yes. But really, we're here to talk about Palestine. Uh, it's not going to be a debate like it usually is. This is going to be very different in tone uh, from our regular fun, irreverent comedy movie reviews where we talk about things that don't really matter. Uh, today, we want to talk about something that matters. And I don't think it's going to be a debate because I don't want to dignify what's going on with trying to talk about the other side of the coin or trying to push that agenda. Yeah, I mean, I've been having debates online till three in the morning every night for the past week. So I'm, I've kind of had it up to here with debates at the moment. Well, we do. And have they're a- not fun. <laughs> not like our debates are. Well, we do have a platform. And I think that, you know, if we have something to say, uh, we have people who actually, for some reason, uh, seem to want to listen to us. Yes. Uh, so, Omar. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm not going to say much. Uh, I'm just going to try and guide you because I think, you know, what you have to say is probably much more important than uh, as always <laughs> the things that I have to say. Let's just begin by, you know, give us a one breath synopsis of sorts. But you know, take your time, take a deep breath, uh, and tell us about your background, like how you know, just about you and your connection to Palestine. Well. I couldn't hold my breath long enough to, you know, give you this one breast synopsis. But, you know, I was born in Beirut. Uh, my 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 mom was born in in uh, you know outside of Palestine. My dad was born the same year that you know the Palestine was basically you know taken away from us in 1948. Um, his family fled from his village. Uh, in what is now Israel, to Syria, to a refugee camp, and that's where he was born. My grandfather's home in in Yaffa uh, was, you know, taken um, throughout the ethnic cleansing that happened. I mean, ethnic cleansing, you know, is literally uh, eliminating the uh, existence of one ethnic group in favor of another or just to get rid of them, you know. Uh, That's literally what happened in Palestine, changing the, 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 the... uh, the nature of the people that are there from being, you know, Arabs, whether Muslim or Christian, to being primarily uh, Jewish settlers, you know, primarily. Um, so that that part of my life has always defined me. It's always defined who I am. Because, you know, ultimately, I was lucky enough to become Canadian, you know. Um, you know, Switzerland was full, so we went to Canada. Mm-hmm. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Canada has been amazing. I got the passport. I was able to travel freely. Most Palestinians don't have a passport. You know, most Palestinians, you know, if you look at the percentages, 
you know, live with, you know, documentation or paperwork that basically says that they're Palestinian, but they can't travel freely or they they can, but they have to apply for visas. I don't have to apply for, for, for visas to most places, you know? Yeah. So Canada welcomed me and my family after living in war-torn Lebanon for the first eight years of my life. Uh, but my mom and my father were always very involved in, you know, speaking out about what's happening in Palestine and being more involved, you know, being very involved when it comes to, you know, uh, trying to right what the wrong that was made. So let's talk about what's happening. I was going to say now, but really it's been happening for decades. And right now it's something, you know, it's again kind of peaked up, but really it's not, it's nothing new. Um, let me, defer, I think, you know, let's base this conversation about, you know, the, maybe the online arguments you've been having. Uh, <laughs> I have seen you post stuff on Facebook, you know, probably the best place uh, for <laughs> good conversation. Balanced conversation. Non-toxic conversation. Yes. Uh, I think the last thing I saw you post was about how the elections there and how, yeah. uh, is that something you want to talk about? So basically, you know, there's... Uh, uh, the, the political situation in Israel itself is that there's a very right-wing government that is in power. And that right-wing government is headed by Benjamin Netanyahu, who is, uh, he'll, he's, he's, ex he's been extremely, um, you know, uh, blunt about his uh, attitude towards Palestinians. But his name is Yahoo, so he <laughs> should be a fun guy. I don't... Well, his nickname is Bibi, yeah. which makes him sound like just a, you know. Bibi and Yahoo. Bibi Yahoo. Two uh, <laughs> tech uh, giants that are irrelevant yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But sorry, go on. So what happened was that he's been, you know, embroiled in all sorts of corruption, you know, situations. And he's, he's basically was losing his grip on power after being essentially the longest serving prime minister in all of, you know, Israel's, uh, you know, history. And uh, a, a coalition had formed in order to get him out. Right. And this coalition was actually, you know, it included right wingers and, you know, Arab an Arab party. So it's, it's across the spectrum. But their whole purpose was to get him out. And what happened was that he very, you know, uh, sociopathically basically brewed a situation where he would get a violent, uh, you know, reaction that would essentially make people rally around him in order to retain power. And that's exactly what's happened. So the coalition has fallen apart. Everyone's rallied around him and he's going to stay in power. And it, all it cost was, you know, you know, a lot of suffering and, and, and death. It, uh, it's classic fear mongering, right? Like, you know, George Bush d did it, you know, in 2004, right? For the, during the elections, Modi does it all the time. Whenever there's elections, the, you know, you know, there is going to be some kind of tension between India and Pakistan randomly. Uh, I do it when my girlfriend's trying to break <laughs> up with me, you know, yes. I'm like, oh no, you can't go out, uh, there is a nuclear war, and then she is reliant on me, even though I'm completely incompetent, because she is now uh, afraid. And, uh, Does it work? Yeah. No, I mean, she, she left me, anyway. <laughs> she, she, she risked the nuclear uh, Apocalypse. fallout. Uh, but uh, let me ask you a question, right? And I think this is something, what's happening there is always contextualized, you know, contextualized as a Muslims versus Jews thing. Oh yeah, no, no, that's not what it is at all. Right? Yeah. You're Palestinian, I'm right? I'm Palestinian, my are, mom's Christian. 
Are, and do you consider yourself uh, Muslim? I'm, I'm, you know, my father's Muslim, my mom's Christian. Yes. I'm not particularly religious. Yes, you know, I'm secular. You could look at it that way. You know, I'm, I'm Muslim. My name is Omar Abbas, but I was raised by my mom who's Christian. So I've always had, my perspective has always been broad. I've yes. celebrated Christmas and, you know, we just celebrated Eid, you know, so. But that doesn't make sense. You're Palestinian. <laughs> yeah. Right, that, that, I think, you know, you, you do, it's always kind of put forward as a religious thing. It's really not. It's about people, right? It's about atrocities towards the people. It's, it's about a, home. It's a political situation. It is not a religious situation. The, the, the thing is that for the longest time, this was defined as a nationalistic struggle. You know, the PLO initially was formed as a secular party, actually a socialist kind uh, with a socialist, you know, um, political ideology, right? And it never was about, you know, your religious background. Now, as the years progressed and things became more and more intolerable, naturally what happened was that people became more and more entrenched in the things that give them any kind of hope beyond the material plane. And that is religion. You know, people have lost hope entirely in Gaza if they don't have something more, you know, eternal to hold on to, you know, whenever I talk to my family in Gaza, you know, what do they say? They say, you know, God, God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. So if you don't believe that God has a plan, you'll give up hope entirely. So it's, it's developed into something that has more of a religious context, especially since, you know, the majority of Palestinians are Muslim. Yeah. But I believe very strongly that this has been played up in the West and it's been played up by Israelis in order to gain sympathy because it's very easy to point to certain, you know, political groups and say, look, they are terrorists. They are terrorizing us and we have to eliminate them. And that's become a way for, you know, any argument that I'm having online, it always comes around to that, you know, but Hamas, but Hamas, you know, but Hamas is, you know, yes, I don't believe in their ideology. I'm not you know, aligned with them politically in terms of their ideology. I am, if you were to say that I, I'm closer to anyone, it's the Palestinian Authority. You know, that's the more of a secular approach that I take. But Hamas is not a powerful entity. Hamas doesn't have an, a, a proper army. It has no tanks. It has no air force or navy. They don't even control their own borders, you know? Yes, but what's happening now, yeah. they started it. Exactly. Didn't they start it? Not at all. Right? I mean, they did terrorize, I mean, they've been doing it for years. Well, I mean, if you keep going back to who started it, you're always yeah. going to end up back at one point. And that point is the Zionist Congress of the late 1800s. The Zionist Congress, of course, the alien race from Star Trek. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or Doctor Who, I don't know. No, they're sure. human beings, oh, okay, just like sorry. the rest of us. In fact, they had a very human aspiration, and that aspiration was to have their own nation. It's understandable. I yep. mean, if you look at Jewish people around the world for centuries, you know, they've never fully been integrated into a society that hasn't you know, somehow attack them or, I mean, of course it's happened, but if you look at Germany or if you look at the racism and anti-Semitism that they've experienced over the centuries, why would they not want to have a homeland of their own? Yeah. Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they wanted my homeland. <laughs> <laughs> we never did anything to them. Mm -hmm. But a bunch of European, uh, you know, Jews who were Zionists uh, decided, came together, and they said, we want to have a homeland in Palestine, our ancestral home, yeah. you know, and their justification was religious. 
But in fact, most Zionists were not religious. They were actually, again, socialists as well. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they, 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 they did not, they used religion as a kind of unifying factor, you know, in, ter in terms of their justification. But no, they just want to have a homeland now. If that homeland, they treated it like any colonial Euro European would. And you as an Indian will know exactly the kind of damage that Britain has caused yeah. in the past, you know. They basically said, look, we'll make a deal. We'll take Palestine and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll move all of our, uh, you know, people that, you know, mm -hmm. Jews to there and we'll take it over and we'll turn it into, into Israel. Yeah. And the Arabs had no real say in that, you know, and so everything goes back to that point. Yes. That is when it started. It didn't start centuries ago. It didn't start back when, you know, with Adam and Eve. No, it started with a group of people coming together and saying, hey, let's take that land and make it our own. Right. And that's that's the beginning of it. Well, listen, they have given Palestinians a strip of land where they can where they can live. And maybe if they weren't so violent and always fighting back, maybe things would be better for them. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, the Gaza Strip, you know, really, you know, one of the most wonderful places uh, full of trees and lakes and rivers and, and mountains and you know, fish. <laughs> it's called Strip. It can't be that bad. It sounds like a great name for an establishment, <laughs> but uh, it really is, you know, essentially the part of, of, of Palestine or Israel where a lot of Palestinians fled to uh, along with the West Bank when, when you know, uh, Israel was formed and expanded, you know, uh, in order to take up as much land as possible. Uh, and it's very densely populated. It's like the 40th most densely populated place in the world. And it's got millions of, of Palestinians living there. Um, and it's essentially, you know, it doesn't really have any resources. Its borders are controlled. Palestinian fishermen can basically go out maybe a few miles before they get shot yeah. by Israeli boats, you know. Um, there's, you know, 50% of the population doesn't have work. Mm -hmm. Um, everything is controlled. It's been mapped like up and down by the Israelis. They attack it at will. It's a fun place to be. <laughs> but, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, I don't want anybody to think these are my beliefs. <laughs> but, you know, it is heavily, uh, you know, fortified in that way because, you know, the Palestinians are violent, right? And they, it, that's why they're they're being retaliated against. So that's, so that's the problem, is that Israelis do not see Palestinians as being, or at least right-wing Israelis, which unfortunately are the majority, don't see Palestinians as being people. They see Palestinians as being, you know, like you said, like a mob or crazy or violent or evil or extreme. Or they, they refuse to take any responsibility for the hell that they've brought upon Palestinians, right? So they don't look at the reason that Palestinians are so sick of Israeli rule. They just look at us and they say, these are subhuman. These are people that should be penned in into a cage and we should just brutalize them until they accept. I mean, that's what you do with it. You know, that's what, that's what an inhuman person will do to an animal, you yeah. know, beat it until it submits. And that's, the, that's, what they're, that's what they take. But this is what we're not animals. We will, you know, uh, you know react. You yeah, know? but and what so, about Hamas? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the issue is that for example they've been bombing buildings left and right in in Gaza dropping entire buildings i mean there's video of it you know dropping buildings just a rocket and you know 13 story building collapses you know people's homes gone you yeah. know and 
they just say, oh, it's Hamas had a, like a base there or something. They use it as, as an excuse for absolutely everything that they do. But we're talking about one of the most advanced military powers in the world. I mean, it provides technology to the Americans. You know, Israel is, is you know, they have, they have the capacity to do so many things besides just drop buildings. You know, they have power. In the power dynamic, they are the powerful ones. When Hamas, you know, shoots, you know, homemade rockets into the sky, half of them land in the ocean, a quarter of them land in Gaza. Yeah. And They're then mostly <laughs> using, I believe, Mentos and Coke as, yeah. a, as a form of... Uh... That's the advanced yes. version, you know? <laughs> And they just get knocked out of the sky by, you know, Israel's defenses, the Iron Dome, which you can see in action. I mean, they're very proud of it. But yeah. all it shows is how much, how lopsided this equation is. Yeah. So, if, you know, one person, you know, gets killed in Israel or, you know, uh, in, in, in what we would call, you know, 1948 Palestine, you know, one person gets killed. And that is obviously sad, you know, that someone gets killed. But then 100 people get <laughs> murdered, you know. On yeah. the other side, and that is the kind of that is the calculation that is made. That is not that is on purpose. That is basically the Israeli military saying, "Well, the ratio is this: if yeah. they kill one of ours, we'll kill a hundred of theirs." Yes, you know, and and then they say they claim that they don't target civilians. They don't look at us as being, you know, dis distinguishable from one another. The only thing that they do care about is public perception to some extent. So that's why they'll perform what's called. Uh, a roof knock right uh, before they bomb a building so what that is is that they'll drop a munition mm -hmm. let's say you're living in a building you know it's 17 stories tall one day you're just you know you know that the Israelis are, are attacking Gaza and you just hear this huge explosion and your entire building shakes mm -hmm. that's a signal yeah. to say we're gonna bomb your building you better get the fuck out yeah you know collect your shit and go yeah and you're gonna lose your house so mm -hmm. you might have spent your whole life you know, saving for this apartment, right? You have to get all your kids, get their diapers, get whatever you, you've got, get your passports if you have, you don't even have passports, sorry, yeah. <laughs> there's no passports. Yes. Get your papers, your documents, and leave within a few minutes. Yeah. And, you know, you sit by helplessly as you see your building collapse. And the excuse is, oh, this was being used by Hamas. Most of the time, they can't even prove that. And even if they could, that is... You can't justify destroying an entire building. It's collateral damage, right? <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. we, we all know how collateral damage, you know, works. I mean, the, 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 the Americans used it in, 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 uh, in Iraq. In Iraq. You know, and, and so for them, it's like... Schwarzenegger used it for his remake in the mid-2000s. He uh, did. He did. And, and, you know, that went just as well as this did. Absolutely. So it's extremely frustrating because, you know... I'm sitting here, you know, watching this unfold yet again, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, you know, people are powerless to stop it. We all live in our echo chambers, yeah. you know, screaming into the void and the people with uh, with with power, you know, basically do as do as they will. And it's it's just infuriating. So that's why today when we were supposed to be doing our episode. Yeah. I couldn't bring myself to actually sit and have fun and talk about this, these, these movies when I'm so pissed off. Well, we were supposed to review Mortal Kombat. We and, and in a way, we are, because yes. that is what's going on, exactly. right? Uh, people are dying. Yes. 
right? And the combat's very one-sided. Very one-sided. Uh, very, this is this is like Mortal Kombat before anybody got their powers. Yeah. You know, the, in you know the Palestinians are just regular people, and the Israelis are like the nether regions. Like, <laughs> and only one group can perform fatalities. Exactly. Right. Uh, but okay, so what's the solution then, right? You're sitting here, you're telling so us- The what, problem what, is what, what that you... the solution doesn't really exist. It's not simple, you yeah. know, because there used to be a solution. There's several ways that this could go. The first way is what people, you know, w- w- you know say they want. I mean, there's the, the Palestinian, the PA wants this, the, the, you know, the Americans want this. It's called the two-state solution, right? So a two-state solution is essentially the Palestinians, or we accept mm-hmm. the fact that Israel has taken over 85% of, you know, the original land of Palestine, yeah. right? We accept the West Bank and Gaza as being all that remains, you know, that's like the, you know, mm-hmm. 25% of, you know, what, what used to be ours or 15% of what used to be ours, I should say 15%, yeah. you know? And uh, and the Israelis basically, you know, and we we rule side by side. We we get, you know, that becomes Palestine. Mm-hmm. Israel is Israel, and we carry on now. Uh, you're asking for too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, we are asking for too much because the problem is that the Israelis have settled the West Bank. Yes. So they basically built settlements crisscrossing the West Bank. They built Israeli-only roads, you know, where Palestinians are not allowed to go. Uh, they 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 are basically dominating the water table. They're they're dominating the resources. They're taking the best land. They're, the settlers are really ideological. So they go in there. They burn the the olive groves. They harass Palestinians. They're constantly trying to snuff us out. And so it's become impossible. A two state solution get, cannot happen anymore. You know yeah. because there is no way that the Israelis will ever withdraw their settlements. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they, they did it in Gaza yeah. like many years ago, and there were very few settlements. And oh my God, they made such a huge deal out of it. This is illegally <laughs> occupied land. They were crying, and there was footage of them saying, "Oh my God, we've sacrificed so yeah. much." You know, like this is like you going into someone else's yard, you know, taking over taking over their house, kicking them out into the yard, yeah. and then crying because you're giving them back one of the rooms. That has happened to me. <laughs> So, That's how you got your last girlfriend, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is. I only occupy a very small space in my house. <laughs> so, you know, so that's not going to happen. Two-state solution is like, it's a joke. I mean, right. it's, I wish it could happen, but yes. I don't see it happening, you know? Yes. Then there's a one-state solution, which is even less likely, which is basically the entire land of Palestine slash Israel becomes one. All Palestinians get democratic rights within Palestine slash Israel. And everybody can vote, one man, one vote, and that's it. You carry on as a secular state. But that's not acceptable because, you know, Israelis feel like, no, this has to be a Jewish country. Uh, It's an ethno state in that sense. And this will change the character of the the country. You know, not to mention that there's distrust between everybody, you know. So, you know, that might happen in 100, 200 years, maybe, you know. That's not going to happen. Probably not. (laughs) Right? Now, the other situation that's happening now is ethnic cleansing. That's basically Israel is quietly but steadily transforming the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That's transforming their character, kicking out Palestinians, replacing them with settlers, Mm -hmm. you know, taking more resources, forcing us out in or forcing us into tighter and tighter little Bantustan communities, you know, kicking you out if you're lucky. Right. That's like, you know, you still have your life. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's. 
But not if you're lucky, because Palestinians don't want to be, because they'd rather no. die than yeah. leave. You right. know, so, you know, and this is the, this is where I feel so torn, because I'm, I'm lucky yes. in the sense that I got to grow up and in, in, in a Western country and have yeah. all the freedoms that, that, I, that my people don't have, you know? So there's a certain survivor's guilt, you know, that I've got, you yeah. know, because this is still going on and it has been going on for 70 years and it'll continue to go on, you know, but, you know, there's no end in sight because ethnic cleansing is gradual as far as they're concerned, mm -hmm. but that's not acceptable, you know? So what happens? There's no ultimate solution. You know, like I'm not, I mean, people have been trying to find a solution for a while, but there is no solution that Israel will accept. And the, I think in a way, the other problem is that there is this ethnic cleansing going on, but it's camouflaged with all these other like political and religious things that's going on where it's kind of hiding what's actually, you know, uh, an incredibly important, it's genocide, right? Yeah, it's genocide. It's genocide. It's ethnic cleansing. It's the complete domination of one people by another. And they've just become so good at rallying support from their friends in the West. And they have so much power, you know, and, and that, that it's like, it's just ongoing. They become experts at, at totally, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, dominating Palestinians. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, you say getting friends from their experts, but everyone's trying. You know, America is always holding those peace talks. You know, Trump tried, yeah. Biden's going to try, everybody's going to try. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, you know, they keep trying, right? They keep trying, but it's always that the Israelis and the Americans are on one side and the Palestinians are on another. So they're not exactly impartial. <laughs> you know, it's they're complete. I mean, Trump, his, his grandson, you know, or not grandson, his son-in-law, yeah. Jared Kushner. He fixed Middle East. He did. He fixed the Middle East, didn't he? I mean, you could see that right now. Yeah. Now that's that he's gone, things are terrible again. You're absolutely right. Actually, that's it's funny that you pointed that out because yeah. yeah, it's true. You know, if only Jared Kushner was there to help <laughs> make things better for everyone. Yeah. So you know, I just this is not gonna. We're not gonna come to a conclusion. Yeah. You know, no one's gonna come to a conclusion. But I can tell you that. As long as there's any single Palestinian that is alive, you know, the idea of freedom for Palestine will never die. Yeah. You know, because this is a human aspiration. You know, this is what anybody would, would aspire to, no matter where they were, mm -hmm. you know? Like the girl that you've got locked up in her room uh, at your house. She aspires to be free. Yeah, she does. And she's never gonna give up. Yeah, you know? I'm cleansing her. You're I give her these sponge baths. Uh, it's a very different kind of uh, ethnic cleansing where she's uh, cleansed by an ethnic man. Ethnic I'm man, an ethnic yes. man. But let me say this, right? You're sitting here, you know, in Dubai. What right do you have to talk about these things? And that's the thing is that the Palestinian diaspora is one of the largest refugee populations in the world. I am right in the most comfortable bracket, right? I got to live somewhere and get a passport and get a good education and be safe, you know? But I'm not, I'm unusual. The vast majority of Palestinians in the diaspora live in refugee camps, you know, because unfortunately, 
many Arab countries that have taken them in have also kept them as refugees and have not integrated them into their own population for different reasons, you know? Mostly to use them as a tool to say, look, you know, to, to rally their people against Israel for political purposes, you know? We are just as much a part of this fight as the Palestinians who live on the ground. They're just the ones who suffer the most, you know? Uh, I, you know, I'm in the lucky position that I'm comfortable, but, you know, in my heart, it's like, <laughs> you know, I feel racked by guilt that yeah. I am comfortable, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to do something. And at the moment, yeah. it's speaking. It's speaking out. But why should you care? Why should I care about what's going on there? I mean, it's going. It's been going on for so long, as you say. You know, okay, it's been going on for decades now. Can't do anything about it. Why should I care? Why should I even talk about this? The the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is a conflict that, at the heart of it, is a human conflict. You know, if we cannot come to a conclusion as human beings, where we find a way to, you know, make peace and resolve this, this issue that is only going to get worse and worse, it's going to end in disaster, not just for Palestinians. It, it's going to ignite something that is going to cause major ramifications, you know? It has already had several, you know, uh, 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 kind of, uh, you know, ramifications in the past where, you know, we've had the Intifada, we've had multiple, two Intifadas, we've had, you know, we've, we've had uh, attacks by Israel on the Palestinians, attacks by Israel on Lebanon, we've had the Arab-Israeli wars. It's already caused, you know, situations that have created a lot of loss of life. But there's two things. One of them is we don't know where it's going to end unless we resolve it now. It could end up with uh, who knows what kind of level of catastrophe. But more on a ideological uh, basis, more, more on an ideological level, if we can't get along as human beings, eventually, we're just going to devolve. You know, as, as, as a point of standing up for what is right and wrong, you know, standing against what is wrong, not standing up for what is wrong, standing up for what is right, it is in our duty as human beings, no matter where we are, to stand up for justice, yeah. because that is what it means to be a good human being. Yeah. So you should care because, you know, you're just a big softy who cries whenever you see uh, an <laughs> emotional scene right in a movie. You're about to cry. Very hard not to. <laughs> you know, this is this is a this is a heroic effort on Palestinians' parts to try to live their lives and find a sense of of, of justice and peace and it's really disastrous that our voices are silenced, that these stories are not heard, you know, because every single one of these people that faces this kind of all-out assault is a hero. Let's imagine a world where this is in some way resolved. What would that mean to your mother? What would that mean to your father, who are not with us anymore, but what would that mean to them? It would be the fulfillment of everything that that was meaningful in their lives. Like this, if if this issue was resolved, this was the most important issue for my mother and the most important issue for my father. You know, this was the thing that we grew up with. You know, and will continue to be the issue no matter what. I mean, my mother took us to Canada to be safe and and comfortable, but she spoke out constantly 
uh, about you know Palestinian human rights, and she demonstrated constantly, and she supported students who you know wanted to uh, ha create a movement to denounce what's happening, you know, in, in you know by what's being done by the Israelis. So this would mean that they could truly rest in peace. You know, this is the thing that would mean that so many you know people who were murdered so many people on both sides you know i mean ultimately any human being <laughs> you know that suffered yeah. could rest in peace you know um and there you know this is what it would mean to them however you know i say both sides but the fact of the matter is that this isn't a balanced equation it is not at all a balanced equation. And no matter how much they try to make it feel like a, seem like a balanced equation, it's not. Palestinians are not some amorphous Arab group that, you know, they try to make it seem like, oh, but Arabs have so much land. No, we're Palestinian. It's like going to Portugal and saying, yeah, but just go to Spain. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, going to, like, it's not. This is our land. Just because we share a dialect and, and you know, a general culture with other Arabs does not mean that you could just shift us around. You know, you can't go to, you know, uh, Texas and say, hey, just move over to, you know, uh, Milwaukee and we'll take over your land. No, Texans will pull out their guns and shoot you. Yeah. You know, and so what do they expect us to do? You know, they expect us to just give in. You know, if the tables were turned, they'd fight harder. You know, they'd fight as hard as they can, you know. Uh, then they, they would fight harder than anything they've ever fought for to retain their dignity and their land. And that's exactly what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Okay, um, I think, you know, now we get to that part of the podcast where I ask you, what do you really think? <laughs> uh, is there something that you want to talk about that we haven't really touched upon? Well, I just want to kind of expand it a little bit and say, like, you know, what's happening in Palestine is, you know, happening at the same time as, you know, atrocities are happening in Ethiopia, as, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, uh, the the mass like incarceration of Uyghurs is happening in China, uh, as uh, you know, uh, the Kashmir situation is still happening in in India and Pakistan. You know, uh, this is something that you know all people who are you know being uh, taken advantage of or being used as 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 cannon fodder. You know, uh, need to recognize that you know. This is all part of this tendency of humanity to create borders and separate one another and assault one another and dehumanize one another, you know? However, when we speak about Palestine and say, you know, for example, like Palestinian lives matter, you know, uh, when we look at that as, as, as its own situation, it's to respect this situation itself. It is not to diminish any other, you know, struggle. All these struggles are united and every single one of them deserves to be, you know, recognized and, and resolved. Uh, but, you know, the fact is that right now, you know, we need all eyes on, on Palestine because this is bombing is happening right now, right now, as it has for decades and decades and decades, you know. So hopefully if someone, you know, who listens to this podcast who might not have had as much experience with the region can go to, you know, different resources like 
you know, if if they're, you know, if if they they can look at, for example, Peace Now, which is an Israeli organization that is anti-occupation, you know, or or, or they could, you know, uh, read uh, books by Noam Chomsky or or, or Norman Finkelstein, you know, uh, both of whom are Jewish and who are extremely critical of the Israeli, uh, you know, you know, uh, governments and 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 their their treatment of Palestinians. So. If anybody is, you know, uh, is interested in this subject, that's what they should do. I'll put some links on the show notes of the podcast to some of these resources that we have talked about today. Um, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts. I know it's not. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. <laughs> I know it's not easy to talk to, uh, talk about really. And, you know, we've talked about, I don't know, for this for like half an hour, maybe, maybe more. I'm not sure. But. Yeah, we've just kind of scratched Scr- the skimmed the surface. surface. Just skimmed the surface. There's so much more to it, you right. know. And I think, just emotionally speaking, it's uh, it's kind of devastating to think about it at, at all. And I think it's very hard, very easy in the kind of world we live to avoid these things, yeah. you know, uh, to not talk about them because they seem like they're far away from us, but they're not. They're not. They're uh, happening right now. They're happening right now. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have friends, have family have, who have been affected by this. Uh, they might seem like, you know, they're leading normal lives, everyday life. Like you look like, you know, you're happy, you're doing great, but this, there's a hole in, in all of their lives. Uh, and it'll always remain, I think, right? Because it's a search for home, which is the most basic human right. It's a home, it's a search for home and it's search for dignity. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for listening to our uh, episode. We'll be back with a regular (laughs) lighthearted fair, (laughs) lighthearted movie review next week. I'm your host, Haisam. You can follow us on Instagram. I'm here with Omar. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum and shalom. (laughs) 